0: Welcome to the One-Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. It's August 31st. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher serving at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is a joy to be with you reading through the Bible each day, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We are reading daily portions from the Old and New Testaments together with a psalm or a portion of one, as we will today and a proverb or two. We are currently reading through the book of Job, and today we finally come to the chapter when the Lord speaks, answering Job out of the whirlwind. We often hear people giving tribute to long-suffering people as having the patience of Job. After reading this book and considering that the Lord endured the windy arguments of Job and his friends for 37 chapters, if patience is to be credited to anyone, we should highlight the patience of the Lord. The Lord has a loving way of putting us in our place and reminding us that He is God and we are not. So let's begin our reading today in the book of Job, chapter 37, beginning with verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Elihu proclaims God's majesty. At this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place. Keep listening to the thunder of His voice and the rumbling that comes from His mouth. Under the whole heaven He lets it go and his lightning to the corners of the earth. After it his voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice, he does great things that we cannot comprehend. For to the snow he says, fall on the earth, likewise to the downpour, his mighty downpour, he seals up the hand of every man, that all men whom he made may know it. Then the beasts go into their lairs and remain in their dens. From its chamber comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds. By the breath of God ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick cloud with moisture. The clouds scatter His lightning. They turn around and around by His guidance to accomplish all that He commands them on the face of the habitable world. Whether for correction or for His land or for love, HE CAUSES IT TO HAPPEN. HEAR THIS, O JOB, STOP AND CONSIDER THE wondrous WORKS OF GOD. DO YOU KNOW HOW GOD LAYS HIS COMMAND UPON THEM AND CAUSES THE LIGHTNING OF HIS CLOUD TO SHINE? DO YOU KNOW THE BALANCING OF THE CLOUDS, THE wondrous WORKS OF HIM WHO IS PERFECT IN KNOWLEDGE, YOU WHOSE GARMENTS ARE HOT WHEN THE EARTH IS STILL BECAUSE OF THE SOUTH WIND? CAN YOU, LIKE HIM, SPREAD OUT THE SKIES HARD AS A CAST METAL MIRROR? TEACH US WHAT WE SHALL SAY TO HIM we cannot draw up our case because of darkness. Shall it be told him that I should speak? Did a man ever wish that he would be swallowed up? And now no one looks on the light when it is bright in the skies, when the wind has passed and cleared them. Out of the north comes golden splendor. God is clothed with awesome majesty. The Almighty? We cannot find Him. He is great in power. Justice and abundant righteousness He will not violate. Therefore men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. Chapter 38 The Lord Answers Job Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding." Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, and who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out of the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it? and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, and where is the place of darkness, that you may take it to its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home?" you know for you were born then and the number of your days is great have you entered the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail which i have reserved for the time of trouble for the day of battle and war what is the way to the place where the light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is ON THE DESERT IN WHICH THERE IS NO MAN, TO SATISFY THE WASTE AND DESOLATE LAND, AND TO MAKE THE GROUND SPROUT WITH GRASS. HAS THE RAIN A FATHER, OR WHO HAS BEGOTTEN THE DROPS OF dew? FROM WHOSE WOMB DID THE ICE COME FORTH, AND WHO HAS GIVEN BIRTH TO THE FROST OF HEAVEN? THE WATERS BECOME HARD LIKE STONE, AND THE FACE OF THE DEEP IS FROZEN. CAN YOU BIND THE CHAINS OF THE Pleiades, OR LOOSE THE CORDS OF ORION? Can you lead forth the Mazaroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds, that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings, that they may go and say to you, Here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts, or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can tilt the waterskins skins of the heavens, when the dust runs into a mass, and the clods stick fast together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion, or satisfy the appetite of the young lions, when they crouch in their dens, or lie in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey, when its young ones cry to God for help, and wander about for lack of food? Chapter 39 Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Can you number the months that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they give birth, when they crouch, bring forth their offspring, and are delivered of their young? Their young ones become strong, they grow up in the open, they go out and do not return to them. Who has let the wild donkey go free? Who has loosed the bonds of the swift donkey, to whom I have given the arid plain for his home, and the salt land for his dwelling-place? He scorns the tumult of the city, he hears not the shouts of the driver, he ranges the mountains as his pasture, and he searches after every green thing. Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend the night at your manger? Can you bind him in the furrow with ropes, or will he harrow the valleys after you? Will you depend on him because his strength is great, and will you leave to him your labor? Do you have faith in him that he will return to your grain, and gather it to your threshing-floor? The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are they the pinions and plumage of love? For she leaves her eggs to the earth, and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them, and that the wild beast may trample them. She deals cruelly with her young, as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear because God has made her forget wisdom and given her no share in understanding. When she rouses herself to flee, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrifying. He paws in the valley and exults in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword." Upon him rattle the quiver, the flashing spear, and the javelin. With fierceness and rage he swallows the ground. He cannot stand still at the sound of the trumpet. When the trumpet sounds he says, Aha! He smells the battle from afar, the thunder of the captains, and the shouting. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars and spreads his wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? On the rock he dwells and makes his home, on the rocky crag and stronghold. From there he spies out the prey, his eyes behold it from afar, his young ones suck up blood, and where the slain are, there he is. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage today from the book of Job. Let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. We are continuing with Elihu's fourth and final speech, which began in chapter 36. In his first speech, Elihu justifies his intrusion into the debate between Job and his three other friends, Eliphaz the elder, who argued from experience, Bildad, who argued from tradition, and Zophar, the legalist. Elihu introduces the fact that God has other reasons for allowing suffering than retribution for sin. Elihu also confesses that, like Eliphaz, he once thought that experience alone is a sufficient means of gaining wisdom— but now he recognizes that it is God's Spirit who, by means of revelation, gives wisdom and understanding. This knowledge gives Elihu the courage to speak, even though he was the most junior member of the party. I thought age should speak and increased years should teach wisdom, but it is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives them understanding. Job chapter 32, verses 7 and 8 Elihu suggests that that God uses other means than experience, tradition, and moral sensibility to make Himself known. He can speak through dreams, in chapter 33, verses 15 through 18, and through our sufferings, in chapter 33, verses 19 through 21, and hypothetically, He could speak through an angel who provides deliverance. This anticipates the work of Christ, in chapter 33, verses 23 through 30. If there is an angel as mediator for Him, one out of a thousand, to remind a man what is right for him. Then let him be gracious to him and say, Deliver him from going down to the pit, I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresher than in youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then he will pray to God, and he will accept him, that he may see his face with joy, and he may restore his righteousness to man. Job 33, verses 23-26 through 26. Elihu gives Job an opportunity to respond, but Job remains silent. Elihu then begins his second speech in Job chapter 34, verses 1 through 37, and attacks what he believes to be Job's denial of God's justice by making a defense on God's behalf. Surely God will not act wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Job chapter 34, verse 12. Men of understanding will say to me, and a wise man who hears me, Job speaks without knowledge and his words are without wisdom. Job ought to be tried to the limit because he answers like wicked men. Job chapter 34 verses 34 through 36. In his third speech, in Job chapter 35 verses 1 through 16, who points out the inconsistency in Job's claims that God owes him favor because of his righteousness and that he would be no better off if he had sinned. A lie who claims that God is not obligated to treat us according to our behavior, good or bad. In this fourth and final speech, a lie who no longer focuses on refuting Job's claims. Instead, he focuses on God. He reaffirms what he has stated about God's justice and the fact that God uses suffering to teach us lessons. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Job chapter 36, verse 22. At this point, what appears to be a thunderstorm, approaches. Elihu uses this as an illustration of the power of God, not knowing that God Himself would be speaking out from an approaching whirlwind. Elihu's name is a variant spelling of the name Elijah, and there are some similarities between the two characters. Elijah is described as a defender of God in 1 Kings chapters 17-21. through 21. Elijah is also described as God's forerunner, In Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, to a lesser degree, Elihu serves similar functions. In Elijah's case, there was a great strong wind at Mount Horeb, but the Lord was not in the wind, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. In Elihu's case, he spoke about the wind, not knowing that the Lord was in the wind. Yet Elihu's words anticipate God speaking in the storm. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that goes out from his mouth. Job chapter 37, verse 2, and then in verses 4 through 7 we read, After it a voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth, and to the downpour and the rain, be strong." He seals the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. And then in verses 14 through 17, Listen to this, O Job, stand and consider the wonders of God. Do you know how God establishes them and makes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know about the layers of the thick clouds, the wonders of one perfect in knowledge, you whose garments are hot, when the land is still because of the south wind? And then in verse 24, Therefore men fear him, He does not regard any who are wise of heart. It is at this moment that God interrupts the earthly debate, adding His own voice and uttering His own indisputable words. After thirty-six chapters of men opening their mouths, questioning, accusing, defending, philosophizing, and at times proudly pontificating, God finally speaks. He has been listening. In chapter 38, God speaks to Job, but answers none of his questions. Instead, He makes a case for man's ignorance of the natural order, which only follows that he is also ignorant of God's moral order. God, the Creator and Sustainer of this marvelous universe, is the final authority over all and the only reliable measure of righteousness. Once we get a grasp of that and humble our hearts, He can teach us. The meek I will teach, Psalm 25, verse 9. The humble will hear, Psalm 34, verse 2. The Lord begins by putting Job in his place. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Job chapter 38 verse 2. That statement must have deflated Job somewhat. Job may be sincere, but he is out of his depth when he tries to explain God. Rather than answering Job's questions, the Lord asks Job questions. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Job 38 verse 4. That's a bit of a conversation stopper. There is so much that we don't know, and as any honest scientist will tell you, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Knowledge of your own ignorance is the first step toward acquiring true wisdom. It is true that God is in an unsurpassable category of excellence, separated from all else. This is the meaning of holiness. There is no one like God. The Lord God, as creator and Sustainer knows everything about the universe. He knows the laws of the universe and the placement and trajectories of every heavenly body, including the constellations observable from earth, such as Pleiades and Orion, in chapter 38, verse 31. In the New Testament, we will be reading today from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 13, through chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 13 We make it our aim to please Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament. Paul is writing of the attitude of faith that is necessary to please God. He identifies with the psalmist who said, I believed when I said, I am greatly afflicted. Psalm 116 verse 10. Hard times can build our faith. Where do we get our confidence? By looking to the miracle of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection and trusting that this reality holds our future secure. Paul expresses it this way, Knowing that He who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 We are confident that our sufferings are not wasted. In verse 15 we read, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Trials work for us, not against us. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. In verse 16, Paul gives us the right perspective on suffering. In verses 17 through 18, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We can be confident that God is at work even when we, like Job, do not understand the details. We must keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joys that before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is a good reminder that we who are in Christ are predestined to be with Him in glory, and that our present earth suit will be discarded, and we shall be clothed with a new body that resembles His glorified body, We will be clothed with a new suit, a new body that is perfectly fitted for our life in the environment of a new future. Of this reality in the afterlife we are assured, God having given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5. The destruction of our body is something we don't like to think about, but death is a reality. The death rate on planet Earth remains the same year after year. It is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment. Hebrews 9, verse 27. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And the perishable will put on the imperishable. This mortality will put on immortality. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 53 to 54. Then the redeemed will be fully transformed from our present humble state into conformity with the body of His glory, bearing the image of the heavenly man, Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, verse 21. First 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49. With this eternal reality in view, we make it our aim to please Him in all that we say and do. For in that day, at the judgment seat of Christ, all will be brought to light. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, to the book of Psalms, where we continue to read from Psalm 44, beginning with verse 9. But you have rejected us and disgraced us, You have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for the slaughter, and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughing-stock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way, yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we have forgotten the name of our God, or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For He knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for Your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake! Why are You sleeping, O Lord? Rouse Yourself! Do not reject us for ever! Why do You hide Your face? Why do You forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. In the first section of this psalm, Psalm 44, verses 1-8, through which we read yesterday, glory was given to God for His love and faithfulness. The history of God's people is recounted. The psalmist credits God with giving His people favor and victory. From verse 9 onward, the psalmist complains that God seems to have abandoned His people. He was permitting them to be mistreated and slaughtered, so he cries out for God's help. As God's people face tough times, they do not lose hold of the fact that God is the one who is in charge. They also recognize that God knows the condition of their heart. All this happened to us, though we had not forgotten you or been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back, our feet had not strayed from your path in verses 17 and 18 the apostle paul will quote psalm 44 verse 22 in his great chapter on the life of the spirit-filled believer in romans chapter 8 verse 36 yet for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered psalm 44 verse 22 this psalm describes a situation that is similar to what we find in the book of job not all suffering is due to sin or to teach us lessons God can be glorified in situations that look like defeat. For example, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. God's people often suffer vicariously, like sheep for the slaughter. We lay up what is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in that we suffer the scorn and reproach that this corrupt world system has for Him. In Colossians 1, verse 26, By being faithful to God, we will often receive greater abuse than had we conformed to the pagan world. God has His purposes in our trials. The Apostle Paul quotes Psalm 44 in Romans 8 to illustrate the point. When we go through sufferings as believers, we will ultimately prove that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 31-39 through 39. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In Romans 8, verse 37 we should never forget that God is never too distant that he cannot hear the heart cry of his people, so may we never forget to ask the Lord for help. Rise up, be our help, and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. Psalm forty four, verse twenty six. And for our final stop in today's Bible reading excursion, we go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter twenty two, verse thirteen. The sluggard says there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. The idea of this proverb is that lazy people will always find excuses for not taking action, often based on unfounded fears. The diligent are willing to take risks and will make the necessary effort to do what needs to be done. Now let's take what we have gleaned in our Bible reading to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are humbled by the revelation of your greatness. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways above our ways and your thoughts above our thoughts. We humbly admit that we were not there when you created the universe, and there are mysteries beyond our comprehension. But you are a God who has made yourself known. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you for your full self-disclosure in Jesus Christ. Even as we face trials, we believe that you will keep your promises. Help us to patiently endure and bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. What a blessing it has been to hear the Lord speak through His Word today. And we are so grateful for the assurances we have of our future in glory through the grace of our Lord and Savior. We encourage you to join with us tomorrow and you might subscribe to this podcast to get a reminder. And also, if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion, you can subscribe to a daily email by going to our website newlife.org. And if you have any questions or comments or would like to contact us, you can do so by writing an email to podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.